Is punk still alive? Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Fenster's Funky 7s. My name is Fenster. The idea behind this podcast is that I'm a record collector and I have a lot of 7-inch singles. And so every episode I'm going to take 7 of my 7-inch singles and arrange them under some kind of genre or some kind of theme and uh, play seven songs from each of those seven inch singles. The theme of this episode is Teen Punks on Hope, and it's taking a look at the early 90s punk scene in Dublin in Ireland. I was 16 in 1990, and all of my friends were really into music. Some liked, uh, you know, kind of kind of classic rock music, Hendrix, Led Zeppelin, that kind of stuff. Others were into metal, Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax. Others were into more extreme kind of metal like Grindcore, Napalm Death or Extreme Noise Terror. I was more into uh, punk rock sounds and me and a couple of my friends were really into punk. And we formed different bands together and played instruments and had a lot of fun uh, making music and listening to music together. But what really made that time special was the work of Niall McGurk and Hope Promotions. So Hope Promotions were a concert company who brought over touring punk bands from the UK or the USA. And what made Hope a little bit different was that Hope was run as as a DIY collective. And they ran the gigs at a fair price and they saw the, um, the audience as equal to the bands and the staff and no one was seen as above anybody else. But what made Hope extremely special at this time was that they believed music should be available to everybody. And so they used to put on lots of all-ages gigs on a Saturday afternoon in a bar in Anger Street called Charlie's Bar in Dublin. This led to me and my friends having the greatest Saturday that a teenager could possibly have. We'd get up in the morning, meet up, head into town, have a look around the record shop, see what was new in, uh, go to guitar shops, play bad versions of Smoke in the Water or uh, Stairway to Heaven. Uh, then head up to Charlie's Bar in the afternoon. You see a really cool underground punk band from New York. You go home, have your dinner. Then you'd get dressed up and you'd go out to the Grove, a famous uh, alternative teenage disco in Rohini. You might stop off in St. Anne's Park to scull a few cans or an agon if you were lucky. And then you'd go and you'd uh, dance to The Cure and R.E.M. and New Order and S.L.F. and the Ramones. Maybe Cecil would play Black Betty as the last song and you'd get to have a bit of a mosh. Um, and there would be goths and metalers and punks and rude boys and other kind of freaks. It was an absolutely magic way to spend a Saturday. People from all over the city used to come to the Hope gigs in Charlie's on a Saturday, older and younger people. And there was tons of Irish punk bands uh, involved in the scene as well. And lots of people meeting up and interacting. So the, to name some of the bands that were around at that time, there was Not Our World, which was uh, Niall McGurk's own band. There was Pincher Martin, Arnheim. There was Gout. There was Jam Jar Jail, In Motion, Tension, The Grown Ups, Wheel, Stomach, uh, Mexican Pets. Uh, they were all playing gigs, supporting these bands that were coming over, putting on their own gigs. 
putting out uh, tapes and uh, really, really it was a very, very vibrant scene. There was plenty of places for bands to play in those days too. Usually they were kind of a grubby room over a pub, but nobody really minded too much. So besides Charlie's, there was the Fox and Pheasant and the Earl Grattan on Capel Street. There was the Underground on Dame Street or the White Horse. Later on, there was Barnstormers and the Old Chinaman. Uh, the Old Chinaman was a particularly uh, grubby place, I remember. Um, it's where Deco from Paranoid Visions put on gigs in the basement. And, um, you know, you'd be down there with all the kegs and broken bits of furniture. And there'd be puddles on the ground and you didn't know if it was a leak from, a, um, from the drains or from a beer barrel or from the toilet or where the water was coming from. And Deco would be shouting at the bands, get on with them songs. And one of my favorite bands from this period was Cunis, and they sounded like this. That was Cunis with Do What You Want or Die um, from the Visions of Hell Beyond the Twelfth Fret album that they put out on Deco from Paranoid Visions label FOAD Records. And yeah, the production is a little bit lacking and um, the playing maybe is a bit rough, but there's a real uh, wealth of songwriting behind that album. And I really love that Cunis album. I listened to it loads and loads and loads when I was young. Uh, the songwriting was largely due to the musical talents of Gary Fitzpatrick, um, who a few years later was part of the Irish country folk band, the Great Western Squares. And you can see a marked improvement in production in this song called Almost Sober. Was there something in Oh 
Gary Fitzpatrick is still gigging and producing music and you can find him playing around town as part of the Sick and Indignant Song Club. One of the most exciting bands in the Irish punk scene at that time and one that went on to huge international fame were Therapy. And I saw Therapy several times in the early 90s in some quite small venues and their performance was always just electrifying. Uh, particularly the drummer uh, Fife, he just blew us away. And every time you went to see Therapy after the gig, you'd come out chanting along this song with you and your friends. This is Potato Junkie from Therapy. My wider circle of friends were always playing in bands together, uh, creating new bands on spec and everybody joining and leaving each other's bands. So a band that I was involved with for a while were called DBAI. Uh, other bands that were in part of the group were Pigmeat and Bogbrush and Septic Vomit. But the best of the lot were Pyrex Death. They were a really, really great band. They were a rap group who had rapped about food. And they had loads of great songs like Wreck the Gaff and Griddle Cookies back in fashion. And they'd put on some excellent gigs in the rock garden. Unfortunately, there's not many recordings of these bands um, still in existence. But here's a recording of Pigmeat live in the Earl Grattan in 1993 with their classic song, Kill the Goth. <laughs> A lot of bands played that night, but one band in particular was called Rinty, 
And one of the members of Rinty was one of Ireland's greatest songwriters, Mumbling Deaf Row, who is now probably better known as the best-selling author of Leonard and Hungry Paul, Ronan Hessian. Another aspect of this punk rock scene was the fanzines. There seemed to be dozens of fanzines around at the time and you would buy them for, uh, you know, 20 or 30p at these gigs and lots and lots of people typing them up or writing them out longhand cutting up pieces of paper, print sticking them together, newspapers, clippings, pictures from magazines, uh, any kind of cut and paste kind of way. They were putting these fanzines together. There was lots of uh, voracious letter writing going on in the punk rock scene and you would uh, communicate with each other through letters, send people tapes, send away for distros. And um, the fanzines were a really great way of spreading information. They would have uh, interviews with bands, they would have reviews of gigs or reviews of albums, they would have opinion pieces. Some of the fanzines included comics and comedy sections, some were very serious, some were more fun. There was fanzines everywhere, there was a very, very healthy fanzine scene. So some of the fanzines were around at the time were Schmegma by Angus. Angus was quite good at putting out fanzines, he got to at least 10 issues. Um, although there was uh, usually a long time between them. So he was a comic book artist as well. Um, so you could wait a year for the next installment of An Unholy Alliance, his uh, serialized cartoon. Uh, there was Pinhead from Nile in Tala. Derek in Baldoyle did Gearhead Nation. Shark in Westmead urged you to stay insane. And he had uh, Sultans of Ping on the cover of Sprawl issue three. Nay Nay and Trice Nay from Cork gave away a free lentil with every copy. Buy a hundred copies and you get free lentil soup. Alan from Catharsis was more serious and he actually printed, which was illegal at the time, uh, abortion information in his fanzine. Ed in Balls Bridge did Prototype. Danny in Bally Money in the North did Front Cover. There was Snaff, there was Sketch, there was Bum Cheek and Radioactive. No, who could forget? Uh, the classic rejected from a total legend of the Irish punk scene, Mero. Niall from Pinhead promised to fill it with as much shite as he could. Swedish Nurse came from the Warzone Collective in Belfast, and they were connected to a really great band called F-U-A-L, who sounded like this. <laughs> F-U-A-L with Follow Me. Uh, one zine that I always made sure to pick up was Nosebleed by Boz from Malahide. Uh, he always had great artwork and comics in his fanzine and lots of information and interesting bands. Boz was in a, a band himself called Onion Brett and later in the 90s he joined up with the members of a Southside band called SMH to form the Steam Pig. 
I saw the Steam Pig play many times in the early 90s and became friends with them later on and hung out and had a lot of fun together. Uh, very tragically, we lost a member of the Steam Pig, Godzi, uh, far too early and uh, me and many people still miss him very dearly. I'll never forget the wise words he once told me. He said, Finto, ecstasy is both punk and oi. Um, here's the Steam Pig with Constitution Hill. <laughs> A young I had a go at making my own fanzine at this time and I did a pretty good job of it, I think. I got some good interviews with bands, which I'll talk a little bit about later. But I hit a real stumbling block when it came to the production part of it because I really didn't have any money to get it printed. And I really didn't know how you go about printing up a fanzine or distributing it. So I was let down by the business end of things. Um, some of the interviews came out later on in other fanzines. But uh, it was unfortunate that I hit that stumbling block. So today's main feature of the podcast is seven songs from seven bands on seven inches that I bought at seven Hope promotion gigs. The first band I'm going to talk about were Go. And I saw these on June the 1st, 1991, which was a Saturday in Charlie's Bar. Go are from New York. I was really, really impressed by Go. They struck me exactly how I thought American hardcore kids should look. They were kind of lean, athletic guys with their hoodies and their jeans and their kind of bald heads. And Go were a very, very strict political band and they had a very clear message. This message is written on one of their EPs. Go is ardently anti-racist, anti-sexist, anti-xenophobic and pro-gay and lesbian. We encourage every individual to take pride in their intrinsic value as a human being regardless of their race, gender, sexual orientation, country of origin, religion or age. Very idealistic and noble. They came across also as very, very likable on stage and very appreciative of getting to play in another country. And I wrote to them to interview them for my fanzine. And a couple of months later, I got a reply. A funny thing about the reply is that it came in a recycled envelope. So uh, the envelope that um, was used was a college fund assistance envelope and um, my parents i was up in bed when the postman arrived my parents were really really excited um and they called me downstairs because they thought there was some kind of college funding that i had applied for unfortunately it was just punk rock stuff for them um their singer of go mike bullshit is gay and um he got added to the queer core movement i'm not sure if the queer core movement existed at the time or is something that was applied retroactively but i managed to collect four of their eps and many songs dealt with gay issues and homophobia this is one from their uh, there is no man ep 
um, which is a take on the Public Enemy song. This is Fear of a Gay Planet. Another band I saw on Charlie's on a Saturday afternoon, this one on July 31st, 1991, were Econochrist. Uh, they were from Arkansas, but they had moved to the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, they were part of the Gilman Street uh, scene, which was a scene that kind of spawned a lot of punk bands like uh, Operation Ivy and Rancid and Green Day. And I think The Offspring hung around there as well, and a couple of metal bands um, all playing in a venue on Gilman Street in San Francisco. Econochrist are kind of a prog punk band. Their songs had a lot of different parts and riffs, and they had like four minute long songs, which is basically two minutes too long for any song, if you ask me. And what I remember from them is that they were really crusty dudes. They 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 stank like there was a real stink off them. And the record that I bought stank. And sniffing it now, 30 years later, I can still smell O'Connor Christ there. And I remember the bass player was playing and he shot a snot out of his nose and it landed on his, his combat trousers and he just rubbed it into his trousers. Um, and so, yeah, they, I just I can still smell Econochrist. And Niall has documented a lot of these gigs on the Hope blog. He said that a flat that he had that he used to let bands stay in, they left the place in a state as well. So here is uh, another lie from Econochrist from the Another Victim EP. That is the law. What is the law? Not to hunt other men. That is... What is the law? Not to...
another band we saw in Charlie's on September 28, 1991 was Sync. And Sync were a band that featured Ed Shred or uh, Ed Ween. Um, from the English band The Stupids. Everybody loved The Stupids. The Stupids were a really, really cool kind of skate punk band. They played really fast and had this goofy kind of sense of humor. Uh, they sounded like this. Skid Row from the Stupids. The band leader and drummer of the Stupids was Tommy Stupid and he went on to become Clute, which is a drum and bass producer. Clute uh, sounds like this. This is Ashram. <laughs> Kind of blows me away that someone from the 80s and early 90s punk scene graduated to the drum and bass scene but then that's exactly what i did so maybe it's not that strange but anyway me and my friends we were very excited to see a, a band featuring a member of the stupids but sync turned out not to be a um a fast skate punk band they were much more melodious and tuneful almost a pop band uh, i think some of the audience were a bit disappointed that day but i was and i thought that they were wonderful and here's their song drain pipe jane and I've returned to this song many, many times over the, the last uh, f uh, three decades. I think it's a really great song. Just skin and bone And something always alone Blood-veined eyes Shaking unsteady hands Painted lady smiles The brittle snapping of human conceits Just death and deceit Choking on dust and defeat I never said this would happen to you I guess this could happen to you I never said this would happen to you I never guessed this would happen to you I never said this would happen to you Around. 
Some hope gigs have kind of passed into mythology and people will lie about attending them. So one example is um, Fugazi in McGonagall's in 1988 and another was Gorilla Biscuits in uh, Charlie's Bar. Uh, I, I've lied about attending Gorilla Biscuits before, but I think probably the biggest one that people lie about attending is Green Day, when Green Day played on December the 15th in 1991 in the attic, which is above the... Uh, White Horse Inn on the Keys, which is now a Starbucks. Um, I don't have to lie about that because I was one of the 40 people who were there that day. I remember it was a freezing, freezing cold day. They were supported by a great band too called Dog Day. And if anybody has any Dog Day uh, tapes or uh, MP3s or anything, can you please send them my way because I'd love to listen to some Dog Day again. Green Day played, uh, there was an announcement from the stage that we were not allowed to dance because the ceiling was going to collapse. I think some of the old guys downstairs were having a hard time uh, with plaster falling into their pints. It was the uh, drummer Trey Cool's 19th birthday and it was a great show. Uh, I think everybody kind of remembered it as being, you know, a bit of a special gig that they, this band were kind of um, something a little bit better than what we were used to and a little bit more talent and you could sense that they were going places. The next time I saw Green Day in concert was in Boston in 1994 where they did a free concert on Boston Common and way, way more people turned up to that than they were expecting, something like 100,000 people. The concert had to be cut short and uh, afterwards there was a riot and I think a few cars got turned over and a few windows smashed. So here is the song Only of You from... Uh, Green Day's debut EP, which came out in 1989, called A Thousand Hours. A 
Probably the second most famous band on this list and one that's still going strong today is No Effects. And No Effects were definitely one of my favorite bands from this era. And I was lucky to see them four times over the years. But I'm going to choose this date, May 31st, uh, 1992, which was a Sunday. And the gig was in Barnstormers because I got to interview the band after the gig. And they were really, really cool sound guys and very generous with their time. It was a real goofy 17-year-old, uh, flame-haired, pale-skinned, nervous uh, Irish boy and they really took some time to to talk to me and I interviewed all the members of the group. Um, no Effects are a really fun band and I still listen to them a lot. Uh, this song is recorded from their first EP in 19, uh, their second EP, sorry, in 1987 when they were still a bit shit. They hadn't got their act together. This is from the PMRC Can Suck on this EP and this is their anti-vegetarian song, Shut Up Already.
another band from the San Francisco Gilman Street uh, scene that played in Dublin on July the 4th, uh, 1992 in Barnstormers were the Mr. T Experience. Uh, these were not such a political band. They're a kind of pop punk band. I kind of think they sound a little bit like Tom Petty with a distortion pedal. So this is the Mr. T Experience, Somebody Wants to Love You. <laughs> Last band on the list I saw in Barnstormers in August the 30th, 1992, and this is Alice Donut. Alice Donut are a kind of art punk band uh, from New York. They released records on the Alternative Tentacles label. Some of their stuff is a little bit too avant-garde for my taste. I think they're big Frank Zappa fans, uh, but some of it I love. Um, particularly their take on the nature of celebrity. It's a, an acoustic song called Tiny Ugly World and also another song about child abuse that they have called Lisa's Father. Um, but sometimes they're just goofy, like when they try to do a trombone version of War Pigs 
or this take on early 60s girl group tune by the angels this is alistone at my boyfriend's back So there you have seven songs from seven seven inches from seven bands that I saw at seven gigs on seven different days um, put on by the Hope Collective. Hope Collective and Niall McGurk is still active in the punk rock scene. You can find his website is hopecollectiveireland.com. And me and my friends and a lot of people I know really, really cherish those days. I really think it was an excellent way to spend your teenage years. And so we really owe a debt to uh, Niall and the other members of the Hope Collective for the gigs they put on. I learned so much uh, in those gigs and from the punk rock scene. Being a teenage punk is really excellent. Um, I learned all about corporate greed. I learned all about political corruption. I learned all about the futility and the um, hypocrisy of religion. It really set me up for life. It made you think for yourself. And it also gave you the DIY aesthetic. You know, if you want to do something, just do it yourself. Um, if you don't like the music that's on in your town or your city, put on your own gigs. If you don't like the records that are coming out, make your own records. If you don't like the podcasts you're doing, sit in your house when your uh, wife and child have gone to bed and talk into your phone and make your own podcast. Just get out there and do it. You know, nothing really happens without your own energy and your own motivation. So get off your arse and uh, make something happen. It's a great ethos and it's one that you can stand by as you go through life. 
Okay, so this is the end of this episode, episode four of uh, Fenster's Funky Sevens. As a little teaser, uh, just for the, th the theme song that I put together for this episode, I sampled three songs from a very, very well-known punk rock band. So I'll play that uh, theme song uh, in a moment. But, uh, you know, if you think you know which band and which three songs that I sampled, please get in touch at uh, Fenster DJ on Twitter or uh, FensterDJ at gmail.com and let me know and any other comments or memories or ideas or uh, things you want to share with me, please do get in touch. Okay, take care. Bye bye. Is punk still alive?